Welcome to Your Voice to the World. I'm Eddie Pinero, speaker, filmmaker, and storyteller, teaming up with Terrence McMahon, retired CEO and best-selling author. Having built multi-million dollar businesses and created lifestyle brands enjoyed by millions around the world, we've established a blueprint to do more and become more. Now we're joining forces to inspire you to share your voice and build the business and lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Welcome to podcast episode four, Your Voice to the World, where we talk about sharing your voice, building your business. I'm Eddie Pinero. I'm Terrence McMahon. And we're going to blow your mind today talking about habits. Blow your mind. Atomic habits. We'll dive into that a little bit about how you can... Uh, change your environment, change yourself, build yourself uh, up to that identity, that one thing that we talked about last week. Sweet. Let's recap where we are so far in this journey, right? Let's do it. Book number one, book number one A and B, all the places you'll go, and The Alchemist, talking about getting started instead of uh, spending a lot of time thinking about it, just do it. Number two, we had essentialism where we decided, we made decisions we cut away from. And in book number three, we chatted about how that one, what's that one thing you want to become and the super, super hero version of who you are now, who you want to become, the, the identity you want to grow into, um, the persona, which is the mask. It's the Latin word for mask, a theatrical mask. mask. And now we're into creating the routine because you can't change anything, right? If you don't change something you do every day, That's it. your routine. And here we are. Here we are. And it, like the most beautiful, perfect tie-in, right, from yesterday to this week. Main theme in that book, you don't change unless your identity change. Your habits won't change unless your identity change. Right. What you do does not change until you view yourself differently. So perfect transition from uh, last week to this week because the first thing he talks about uh, James Clear is how identity is the pivotal piece within your habits. Your habits don't change until your identity changes. So how you see yourself is everything. Right. And uh, it brought me back to uh, a video I made years ago uh, called Actors. And I was watching that. Totally, you know how sometimes you come across something totally changes your life? Mm -hmm. Very simple little thing. But uh, Edward Norton was sitting on stage and uh, he talked about the most important thing he does is uh, decide what shoes he's going to wear. Because, you know, the shoes you put on your feet determine how you feel, right? When you put on clown shoes versus, um, you know, running shoes versus anything like that, uh, it determines how you see yourself, which then allows you to act a certain way and mm -hmm. correspond. So I always say, like, when you open the closet, every morning you have a chance. It's like, what shoes are you going to wear? What character are you going to play? How are you going to see yourself? And everything sort of goes from there. And... Uh, this is a really good job of talking about wow, that. Wow, that's interesting. Like your combat boots, if you're going to go to war. Right. A soldier would do that, right? Right. Friends that are soldiers. Right. That's cool. The, the uh, identity and the character, um, the word persona, persona, it comes from a Latin word, which means mask. It means your, uh, your identity. And there's so many books behind me that also talk about your identity because if you, and the identity is heavily related to the story that you tell yourself, I think the story that you want to become and who you are. Yeah. Um, and 
the book How to Win Friends and Influence People behind me, chapter, uh, I forget what chapter, but it's on page 221 because I reference it a lot. It says, give a, good, give a dog a good name and you give someone else a reputation to live up to and they'll start to behave that way. It's a good man management technique, but it's a good self-management technique when you give yourself a reputation to live up to that I am this and this is who I am and I'm, a, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm a superhero right. versus all the things that the world wants you to be. Because if you don't have a story for yourself, the world will give you one. Right. Their shoes. They'll put their shoes on your feet. Ooh. To your point. Ooh, I Boom. like You talked about your dad, right? Telling you you're the best hitter on the field. Oh, my. He, yeah, he lied to me for my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He, he used to scream at coaches. He'd be on the phone screaming at these coaches. And we're, we were good up until a point. But you, you always carry that persona, that mask that you really are the best. He, he, he said that you're the best in the world. Uh, there was a kid, my dad died a year ago, two days ago. My, there was a kid at a funeral. I'd never seen him. He was only 21 years old and he's crying. I was like, I don't know you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was his son. And uh, he goes, oh, my name's Tom. I worked at the golf course. And I said, how'd you know my father? He says, your father was the greatest guy. And this guy cut grass. He said, he always made me feel so good about myself. He said, I was the greatest landscaper in the whole world. I said, my God, that guy used to say that to us about baseball. He'd say it about everybody. So he gave people that, 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 uh, that pair of shoes to wear. Yeah. I didn't even know it at the time. But, and that's good. It gives you an identity. It gives you something to live up to. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Um, my, I can think of a million times my identity switched. And sort of the, tr the, the struggle, the dissonance uh, of like, you know, back, way back, creating content while being you know, in, or having that corporate job, right? For, for me, because it was like, you want to fully immerse in something, but it's like, wait, but that's not who I am. And there's just kind of like, it, it, it was only like the, the full immersion into it when I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is, I'm, I'm embodying what I want to be. And then 100%, you see some of these habits sort of transform um, to support that. Your identity with your message, your, your world within, your message um, creates a potential because he also talks about how to become have the habit of making yourself an expert right expert status which i love um particularly when it comes to not only having the habits that build a better person and a better more capable being but somebody that builds that expertise that known authority on something and mm. that's kind of as you built your character in your world within as i see it as a viewer and subscriber that you have an expert status with in the motivational space but you didn't with your first video, did you? No, it's it's a long, uh, a long, long road, long experience, long evolution. Right. I remember that being an interesting thing, though. You know, starting out because at some point there's never a switch that's flipped, but at some point you start getting calls. At some point people start reaching out. At some point they want your advice. At some point, you know, hey, you're the <clears throat> you're the expert on this particular thing. Can I get your? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When uh, <laughs> when did that happen, right? And it's right. this sort of gradual evolution. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just doing it repeatedly in the habits that, you know, the habit of producing a video every week, the habit of storytelling, the habit of tracking my experiences, mm. um, you know, and then everything corresponds. We're talking about in a couple episodes, we're going to talk about the cognitive biases, uh, cause Charlie Munger, uh, has poor Charlie's almanac, which is a book. Very few people I bet ever read. It's actually quite expensive. It's like a hundred and $20, um, but you can get it used maybe for 30 or 40 bucks or get the articles. 
but he talks about cognitive biases. These are biases of super reaction, super human misjudgment sometimes. Most important chapter in the book, you'd say, right? Hands down. It, it's, 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 it's the, these are the things that motivate us to do habits. But one of them is called excessive self-regard. Like people have an excessive self-regard for their own ability mm. a lot of times. And there's another cognitive bias that it's its cousin called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it means people with a low level of experience from a time perspective and in the continuum of experience think they're better than they really are. And people that have been doing things a long time, I see this with you a lot, that you think you're not that good. 52 million views later, there's other people putting out new content that, that are you know, a little more flash in the pan. They don't think they're as good as they really are. And that's why a lot of young pilots end up being a little overzealous in most of the pilot errors with young pilots. Mm. But that excessive self-regard can be an ally when you know what, how that bias works. Yeah, particularly when you're giving yourself a, a reputation that you haven't quite necessarily earned. Yeah. Evidence-based behaviors, because he says this too, we're just talking about how, how uh, your behavior, each behavior towards your new character mm -hmm. casts a vote for who you really are. And James Clear talks about that. He talks about awareness. Right. Right. There's a quote, uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl Jung, um, AKA being aware of what you're doing, you know? And so, you know, we discussed those chapters. We're kind of nerds. I think, I don't think there's any way around that. We definitely, uh, but we, <laughs> we talk about that chapter all the time. Who's, who's got all the money now though? The nerds. The nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Take it. yeah. You a nerd, Steve? Yeah, definitely. And we were in here the other night. I was, in here with a, I was in here with a friend, and it was Thursday night. And usually on Thursday nights, we're out. We used to be out in bars and uh, doing God knows what. And we we're all sitting here huddled around a book. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Look at it. But Ben John Books, Don Booze. But those, Better habit. Those biases are uh, just being aware of them. That you, you, you know, you, again, I don't want to dive into this because I know we're going to. We're going to yeah. dedicate a whole whole podcast to it. But they just, long story short, understanding how you act and delving into it allows you to take a step back and change those things. If you don't do that, you can't change. Well, there is, there's a lot of correlation. Our, each book is going to, is going to go backwards. And there's, the, the, there's yeah. a lot of crossover yeah. because cognitive bias is uh, another one's the reward bias, you know, the habit of eating sugar, the habit of, of taking alcohol or, or a drug or, or doing anything that's perceived to be bad habits like Netflix binging is all, it's all triggering uh, a reward. Yeah. So that, that, that gives you what's called a feedback loop. And what happens in, in this, in this, in this concept of habit, and there's a couple books, in fact, time, I got a little bonus thing. I forgot to tell you, this just came out a couple months ago in time special edition. It's a collection of all habits. This is really good. And he mentions, uh, you know, James Clary also mentions Charles Duhigg and a couple of the other habit books. Um, but the, the developing a expertise, of, of, of making habits a priority through the way you set your environment up, mm. you know, putting, putting, uh, putting things available that are good habits and making things unavailable that are bad habits. Friction, right? right. Between, uh, yeah. what you want and your bad habits. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's called, uh, this book here, this is the book I just, I'm reading right now. And this one here is called it activation energy. The, yeah. amount of act, the amount of energy required to activate something for the good or for the bad, like the yoga mat I have in the middle of my bedroom over there. I can see it from here. Mm. I have to step over it to go to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, I have a scale that kind of sticks out. So I have to step over that, those activation energies. 
I definitely changed some things after reading that little, you yeah. know. Um, he talks about putting your TV physically in your closet when you're done. Like, some things <laughs> that, you know. And um, I, I take my phone and put it away from my bed. That's a real simple, easy one. Right. Um, so that you can mitigate the habit of just hitting snooze or whatever. You got to get out of bed. You put a water there. Um, clean space. Running shoes you know, right next to the alarm clock, everything's ready to go. Like, it's just kind of eliminating the... Right. Uh, more so, again, uh, I forget what, what episode we talked about this, but it's always it's always more so removing the negative than adding on. Like, that's, you know... Um, he talks about a lot of times with people, it's not motivation, it's lack of clarity. Right. It's, it's essentialism sort of re revamped, right? It's taking away the bad habits... Um, so that you have line of sight to what you want. All the reasons to do it. And then um, talks about the, the way you do it. Yeah. Uh, how do you put the habit in? Actually, was a, he kind of built off of what Charles Duhigg wrote in his book. They're both good books. Um, about the four, four step. There was Q. Was it Q craving routine? No, Q, Q, Q craving response reward. The four-step habit. Right, Steve? Yep. That's it right there. Right on. So what's the cue would be the, the trigger. Right. Which is going to get a craving, which is a, a response, and then you get the reward at the end of every habit loop. Kind of a cool thing. Yeah, they did, he, uh, he even says that at the beginning. It's a, it's a, a real continuation of you know, where Duhigg left off. Right, right. But... Um, I wanted to get personal for a second and ask you, so we talk about that identity yeah. right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. um, I know no one that's transformed like you have over the past five years. Yeah. Do you identify or see yourself different now than you did? I, yeah, I had to, I had to make a, um, a transformation. And in my TED Talk, the, 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 the transformation big idea is to go from being broken to beautiful and it's based upon the of course I've, for those of you that don't know I was as broken as broken get I was two and a half years ago I was in a laying in bed waiting for a last minute liver transplant I was literally within 72 hours potentially of my death and so I had to come back from that but that's as broken as broken gets so when you're down and you're out transformation is uh, any repair requires transformation right and requires recreation because what the world wanted me to do when it was um you know alcohol was involved in my liver failure was they wanted me to rehabilitate myself so which means to restore you to a prior condition and um i didn't i mean that also meant their algorithm for doing that that journey is to go to meetings, self-identify as having an addiction, being an addict and never having a cure. And I didn't want to be part of that story. So I recreated myself. I wanted to make something that never existed before. And that was about everything from who you are. I didn't want to be you know, labeled an addict. I didn't want to self-identify as having a, a disease that was invented. I wanted to go on and have a, you know, and to be a superhero that had a purpose that made a difference. And I thought the best way to do that was become an author. Because when you're an author, it creates a, a platform to talk. So re, 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 recreating yourself and, and any type of massive transformation and identity requires massive decisions. Cutting away from, 
like we said in last episode, to change the fruit, you need to change the root, and the major part of your root is your identity. So when your eyes open in the morning, yeah, right now, versus four years ago, overweight, you know, very, you know, obviously the money's coming in, but your right. lifestyle's insane. Yeah, drinking, partying, taking your clients out all the, fun all the stuff. time, yeah. all the fun stuff. <laughs> you saw yourself as what? Versus now, when you wake up sober, 100 what, something pounds lighter, yeah. the sun coming up on the beat, like just totally different world. But how do you see yourself? Well, my identity was kind of a cross between Tommy Boy and the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I made a lot of money, had a lot of fun, and I did it without a college education. And I, that was my identity. I was like, you don't need to go to college. You can have a shit ton of fun. And you could be, you make a lot of money and do all the great things that all these people that went to college and followed all the right rules in life. Uh, it worked, and I could perform, and that story worked in its own way, but you can't, going back to essentialism, uh, no, the one thing, you can't let one of those glass balls fall, and, you know, I was 350 pounds. Right. I was morbidly obese. That glass ball fell. It, it broke, <laughs> yeah, and it broke, and if it weren't for medical miracle and a, the miracle of a donor, I'd be dead. Right. And I would have paid the price that I really deserved, and I got this, this second chance, and to honor the donor... Um, also to honor whoever else could have had the liver and, and lived, and that person's probably gone too now, because when someone gets a transplant, someone else doesn't. There's only one available for every three or four people that need one, so two or three people die. So I don't take that lightly. So in order to honor that, I had to massively transform who I was and what the way I looked at my own self. Hmm. And I didn't see an addict. I saw a superhero and a potential to share a message of recreating yourself because my story was a habit that was very unhealthy that had a, a positive feedback feedback loop that became super unhealthy. But that was just that was just a, a way I dealt with. That was a habit I dealt with internal pain. You know? Yeah. Anxiety and panic attacks I was medicating with alcohol. I've since found other habits like moving, meditating, yoga, better social circles, putting myself in a better environment where they don't exist anymore. I, I got them I rid, of, rid of them without any medication, which is possible. Yeah. You know, to Charlie Munger will say, be careful to the man with a hammer, the world looks like a nail. There's never one solution to anything. So as you install these new habits, um, getting back to the book, get me out of the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, pressure's <laughs> on, man. You know, that's, that's, that's installing habits. Yeah. Getting rid of the good ones and putting in the bad ones. What do you think, Steve? Anything missing? Uh, nothing missing, but I do want to ask about this. It's kind of the advanced tax tactics he talks about. If you, um, it talks about the Goldilocks rule, and it, it says, once an atomic habit has been formed, it's important to continue to advance in small ways. These small improvements keep you motivated. This is referred to as the Goldilocks zone. Have you experienced that beautiful zone? Mm. That's what he uses the uh, marathon reference. Just popped into my head, right? He's right. talking about, like, it's way overwhelming, to run the marathon, but if you, you know, dedicate yourself to walking a mile right. and then he says, all right, yeah. you know, a week from now, run two miles, then do a 5k. And then, so you, not only do you maintain like that sort of momentum and that good feeling about yourself, but 
you're growing your ability and building a level of trust. So, but you uh, you asked but if we if we yeah. have experienced that. It goes up and then comes back down at some point, right? As as it get, it gets harder in the mind and in the body, and then it ultimately comes over and gets a little easier, if I'm not mistaken. Because of the self belief component, I, I don't remember the exact curve. I remember it was a bell curve that got it was motivation and difficulty it went all the way up to it was so difficult, and at some point it became easier. Mm. You do videos about it too. Like when you cross over that threshold that you're just trying to do one step at a time. And then after a while it starts to become automatic. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. is, uh, I think that's when you, your habit kind of drops into the, the basal ganglia, which is that, that uh, reptilian brain where all automaticity is stored. They say 30 or 60 days. There's like a numeric. He, he addresses that too. I, I reread that book um, yesterday. He says habits uh, are never finished. Yeah. He says a habit isn't a line to be crossed. It will get easier in your head, but it's a lifestyle to be lived. Yeah. It's, it's like a forever change. If you want a habit of eating better, you don't want to eat better for 24 hours or, or for 24 days. Right. You need to decide, make the one decision that makes a thousand and get rid of some types of food. Yeah. But it gets easier and then it drops into, um, it drops into the, the automaticity. Like going for a run every day, like we do bike, we do we bike rides every day. After a while, it's like I want to go on a bike ride before lunch. Right. Is that it's it's not a habit. It's something I enjoy too. Yeah. That's something that he mentions as mastery of the field, where it kind of like that S curve we mentioned um, when we were talking earlier. And he said, precisely at the moment when you begin to feel like you've mastered a skill, you must avoid complacency, so you progress at the next level. The solution: establish a system for reflection and review. This will enable enable you to objectively see what's working, what isn't, and based on this, make better plans going forward so it's this graph right here if i could get it up mm -hmm. yeah. and so that way you you kind of as soon as the other habit starts to die you find motivation and he says that's kind of the end of the goldilocks rule is that the greatest threat to success is not fail failure but boredom we get bored with a new habit because we're performing it every day and not seeing results realize that successful people feel the same lack of motivation as everyone else the difference is that they still find a way to show up yeah. oh dude I love that. It's a, it's a derivative of chaos order, chaos order, chaos well, order. Diminishing returns, right? The law of <clears throat> diminishing returns. You'll see that in ads when you run ads for your, once you have a message, you run ads, your ads do well, and at some point they don't. You probably see it with videos, right? Right. It, it, goes, right. it goes up, but it goes up, and then it starts to level off and peter. That's, that's, that's interesting. The, the key is to catch yourself and to, to know your numbers. That's why you weigh yourself every day. If you want, yeah. if you want to be in a healthy weight, you, the only way to know that for sure is to weigh yourself, get the information. It tells the brain that you're performing. Yeah. If you don't, your brain has no idea. There's no clue. Right. And the, the, the repetition, you talked, you can tie it into the, the photographer thing, you right. know, when right. he's talking about basically there's two groups uh, or he divides, a professor divides, a high school teacher, I forget, divides a class into two groups. And uh, one group is, um, you know, the, the, the quantity group and so their grade was based on the number of pictures like I think it was 90 is an A, 80 is a B whatever mm -hmm. and then you had the quality group they only had to submit one and they'd only be graded on that one it had to be perfect it had to be the best they could do in the quality group through repetition you know by far uh, exceeded that of the, the quality right? because they'd just done more and so it's I mean it's that curve manifested into real life. Michael Jordan most missed shots, Babe Ruth, most strikeouts. Right. That, that never, never ends. They take more shots. They, uh, they win. We're knocking on doors. Right. The one who knocked on the most doors won. We were in the office one day, and my, um, my partner 
used to put a, uh, he just did this without telling anybody. He had a counter on the phones back when we didn't have pay phones. Mm -hmm. So every week our agents would report how many phone calls they make at their desk and they'd lie. It would be called the liars club. It's like, oh, I made 200 phone calls and we'd look and then we'd see they only made 16 or 20. <laughs> then he let them do it for a few, a few months. And then we we're sitting there one Christmas and he whips out his phone lock for whatever sick reason. He never told anybody about it. We used to look at it and kind of chuckle. And at some point we did tell him, but he said, look at this. And he said, look at the phone calls, look at the phone bill. And he goes, look at the parking lot. So we looked at the parking lot. Guess whose cars were out in the parking lot? It was Christmas around three o'clock, Christmas Eve. People with the most rent. The, thri the top three producers, the making the most money, three cars were sitting in the parking lot. Yeah. Reps. They made the most calls. They had the highest phone bills. They made the most money. Yeah. They probably got the most no's. They had a habit. Badass habit. That correlation will always be there when, yeah. you, when you seek out the... Become immune to the word no over and over and over and over and over again, you know? Yeah. What's the no? The no, the salesman's creed. The next no, one no is one more step closer to yes. Yeah. And no was worth. We used to sign, when in a, we had a point system where we would know how much money you'd made with a no. So if you got 200 no's, you, would, you could go backwards and measure that to your, to your income. That's interesting. You get, a, you get a no. It's like, oh, there's 75 bucks. I'm going to yeah. go out and get 20 no's. Yeah. And you got it. And then we, we used to have a, a talk to go for the no. Make people say no to you. Right. People don't like saying no. It's like, like you don't want to do this. It's probably not for you. Right. It's not for everyone. Right. right. We do no, in, in the world of, of social media and content creation, it's criticism and feedback. You know, essentially the same thing. Right. But worrying about what the response is going to be. Hmm. Limiting yourself based on you know, potential feedback, pushback, whatever. And when you realize it's one, it's repetition, just keep posting because you'll get better. And not only that, you'll develop that category for yourself and that identi identity, but to removing yourself emotionally from the no mm -hmm. and the, you know, anything that's not direct in line with what you want. Or, or at least you could say looking at the date, like looking at it uh, analytically. Right. You know, looking at the data to help drive or, or merge, you know, what's working and what you want, what you love. Um, there is a, a study, I think we talked about this in, the, in two, two episodes ago, of uh, how you look at yourself, your explanatory style. Mm -hmm. Seligman, who did the dog ex experiment, learned helplessness. He says, well, you can, you can learn to be very, through positive psychology, that you can have a positive explanatory style and you can become immune to a lot of the disappointments in life, just being positive about it, which is interesting. Uh, there was lots of studies how people that were positive ended up sticking to things longer even if we're not doing well necessarily it's called the explanatory styles so how cool. so maybe we'll so let's stick to that then the world of insurance so one of the things he says is um the golden rule of behavior or cardinal rule of behavior what's immediately reported is repeated and what's immediately punished is avoided all right so my my mind goes to like the door knocking yep. and it's like that that's punishment in a sense <laughs> so how do you uh, like what is the framework to look at that as, you know, this sort of magnificent tool to excellence. There was a psychologist, um, actually it was, it was an insurance agent that worked with a psychologist and he developed a point system because what, what you need to do when you're developing a habit, you mm -hmm. need to take what's good about the habit and somehow bring it forward. Right. And what's bad about the habit and bring it, bring it forward as well. So it was, you could, you could knock on a door and not make any money for three months. 
You could knock on a door, someone would engage you, but they wouldn't buy yet. But maybe two months later, they'd buy. And a month later, you get paid. So the behavior was today, the reward was way tomorrow, mm-hmm. not like, unlike a lot of habits. So they had a psychologist had a point system where you got, a, you got a certain amount of points for getting that door. You got a certain amount of points for getting information. You got a certain amount of points to get permission to come back. I love that. So you get four points or five points. So you would go in on a Wednesday and say, I had 20 points last week. And they had a point, and then you knew what a point made for you after you had enough data and you, your own experiment. So that's how they did it. Yeah. And it worked well. And it established habits of getting referrals, prospecting, and getting rewarded for the behavior that doesn't pay for a long, long time. Right. It's one of the, there's a big, giant disconnect with activity and compensation in that space, as is in your world. Right. I was going to say, any, any industry, get? everyone can learn from that. What did you get the first time you had a viral video? How much money did you component in your checking account? None. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it took right. a. That's that's the thing. It's like you feel like an idiot putting these videos out for like a year and a half, and that that's one hundred percent why people stop. It's like literally felt like a clown in the morning. It's like I'd spend all day doing this. My parents would be like, "How much are you gonna make?" Like just <laughs> just totally trying to understand like right. what's their son doing here, and it's like, right. oh no, I'm not gonna you know down the road. For, forget something. about your parents. What about your dating life? Yeah, you yeah, that was. You're posting videos. It's you're like, not I a lawyer. Girls don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got a, I got a great idea for a YouTube channel. What are you doing tonight? <laughs> no, it's like that's one of the difficult things. That's uh, a look. In the old days, we used to call that a look because I'd hire someone to sell life insurance. I said, you go home and tell your dad who just spent. 300,000 bucks sending you to Boston College, you're going to sell life insurance. He's going to give you a look. It's going to be like, yeah. uh, he's what? going to shoot you a look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, but you yeah. got to build in those point systems. Yeah. Right. Well, so, and that's, that's kind of what keeps you going. It's like, okay, but a thousand subscribers. It's uh, what's called accrual accounting, which a lot of people don't realize is when you're accrual accounting, you're accounting for things you didn't get yet. Yeah, accruing future income because I knew when I sold something that I had the income from the sale and then I had residual income over 10 years. Mm-hmm. It was pennies, but I added it back forward. I said, well, over 10 years, it's a thousand more dollars. Right. So it's accrual. So in, a, in, in the YouTube space or in, you know, when you get a follower, a subscriber, you've made zero dollars, right? Right. But you've accrued the potential potential, potential. <laughs> right <laughs> that word you recruit the potential to sell them something or get them to be a, a monetized client that's all part of the the business transformation once you have enough data you'll know that a, a ten thousand subscribers equals x number of dollars right so you know each, you could, you're, you're accruing income and that that's it's, it's a big part of the, the the psychology of reward which is the psychology of habits is you got to give yourself some kind of intrinsic reward today for the hard work you did that you didn't get paid for yet. Right. It's like pulling a springboard down. And he talks about, uh, don't worry about your results, your actual results. Look at your trajectory. Right. Because your trajectory is... It's pretty powerful. If it's going up or going down. It takes discipline to do. Right. Like in insurance, you could get lucky and make a sale, but your points are going down. Like you can get lucky. Right. Bump into a rich guy that needs something in the right day at the right time. It's happened. And, but you're, you're not prospecting and you're, you're, your numbers are going down. You don't want to look at the money. It's a spike. You want to look at the trajectory of your, of your stats. Right. That's a big deal. The habit of knowing your numbers. We'll talk about, let's switch gears here. Superpowers. The superpower habits. He mentioned three of them. Three superpower habits. You remember them, Steve? 
put no. you on the spot. You seem to be no, I actually comfortable don't putting us on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the three. Let me think for a second, but go ahead. Um, you know? Well, one of them is reading. The super habit of reading. Oh, yeah. He uh, said, once you read, if you have the habit of reading, and I know you read every night. It's the only reason mm-hmm. I asked you. You grab my books and you read. Uh, once you read and learn how to read and read every night, you can solve any problem through Right. Reading. Right? And then he talks about exercise and the superpower of planning. Most people um, don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. Yeah. They just, they just don't do anything. Uh, implementation and intention is what he called it in the book. He said, if I'm going to exercise, those that said I'm going to exercise did well. A second group um, said, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to do well, but I'm going to do it every day at eight. And that group did far better than the first group. They, they had an intention. And simply writing it down like, made a big difference too. Like the group that just physically wrote it, mm-hmm. like they, they had a big improvement of actually achieving that goal as well. That was an important case study, you know. The so basically, it was it was the three exercise groups, right. um, you know, one that just what is it? They said they were going to do it, track how often they did it. Um, first group tracked. Second group, same thing. They tracked, but they read some motivation. And third group wrote down the intention and like f- just writing, having a direct line of sight to what you're doing. I it, it goes back to the clarity thing. Right. You know, a lot of people mask their problems with all this BS and all this nonsense and different stories that they're telling themselves, mm-hmm. but it's just lack of clarity regarding the result. Um, and that's that's a powerful thing. And I, you know, maybe the result changes, but I can speak to you know a million times. I've had to pivot to sort of push everything aside. The society's complex. Technologies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of minutia, and so it's it's incredibly easy to be saturated with all this stuff that doesn't help you right constantly and so again removing that is is huge so anyway with these people with the third group just writing it down it's a direct thing where they know exactly what they're doing they know what they need to do they know the result they're looking for and so there's nothing inhibiting them from doing that I'm going to add one more superpower habit because I saw you and Evan Carmichael doing this together yeah and he's clearly done well uh, in his space, but the superpower of if you're in business and you, you know, the only purpose of business, Peter Drucker says, is client creation. There's no other purpose of business. Right. To create a paying customer. And to do that, you need to know your numbers. So you guys sat down with it. Remember, you and Evan sat down, and you went through your channel and you were knowing your numbers. Right. Like what works, what doesn't work, what needs to be deleted, modified, added. Clarity. Yeah, we had some breakthroughs there. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't, crazy i mean it was some pretty high level stuff it was like titling and thumbnails right it's like eddie people are not going to search dancing with no music (laughs) like i i get i get that that's your brand and i get that you know to some element that you know there's an artsy field that expresses what you want but the reality is at some point you have to make the step from that to look i have something that adds value i want it to be seen the numbers show that when people watch your videos, they don't drop off. They hang on at a rate that mm-hmm. is pretty rare uh, in the YouTube community. However, YouTube is not sharing it at all. It was like six per four percent um, of my watt of my, my my views come from YouTube sharing it. It's not being found. Why? And that's like that's huge. It's interesting. Where do they come from? I'm curious. 
um, search, people sharing, uh, the kind of the, the hard, I mean, it should be 60, 70% is YouTube sharing it, you know? That's how good your shit is. It's good, it's good enough. They're not sharing it. You're still getting lots of people looking at it. I mean, yeah, pat myself on the back, I guess, but the, the potential <laughs> is like, you know? Here, here's a good transition into, because that is a good transition into next week, because we're going to start talking about messaging. Yeah. So there's one thing to be recreated as something or being able to help someone go on a journey because what a, what a client wants is to be taken somewhere from someplace to someplace, mm -hmm. however that is. So in your world, I would assume it's from complacency to motivated. Right. Right. And my brand is from broken to beautiful. In fact, I was with Carmine Gell, the, 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 uh, the author of Storyteller Secrets and Talk Like Ted and a couple of Steve Jobs books a few weeks ago. And I had a difficult time articulating exactly what recreating yourself is. Like, what does it mean? Like, recreating what? It's like, no, you're going from broken to beautiful. It's a message that you can do it. And there's an algorithm to recreate yourself. There's a, there's a set of steps, a recipe to do so. Mm -hmm. So I took this long, awkward conversation and Carmen and his wife took us through. We went through and we, we, we just put it on a, a board. And he said, well, where are you taking people? I said, well, people that are broken, lost, oppressed, depressed, afflicted, convicted, addicted, to beautiful. Mm -hmm. The opposite, the inversion of that. And in storytelling, like you talk about the thumbnail, the thumbnail says dancing with no music. And it says, you know, maybe a searchable thing was how to feel good when things aren't so good. Something like exactly. that. Just be more exactly. direct. He, he says, why don't you just be more direct with them? And that's, that's, that's what this book's about. Uh, telling and using stories and something I think you do a good job with metaphors mm. to get your story accomplished. Yeah. Which is a, the, the progression of, of being awesome through good habit building, using your super, superpower of habits. It doesn't matter what niche or, or, or you know, what your business does. Every brand needs clarity, and every brand can do better at depicting that, by the way. And so uh, that's yeah. why that book was so impactful to me. And I think people, everyone should read that book. You know? Clarity is the enemy of success. Confusion. Or, oh. Flip. Clarity is your ally. Confusion is your enemy. The confused mm -hmm. buyer doesn't buy. Right. That's the point. Right, right, right. Leave it in there. I want to. I want to prove the world I'm imperfect. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't believe it for a second. <laughs> I do. You wouldn't believe some of the things that come out of my mouth. All right. Well, hey, that's a that's a wrap, huh? What do you think? Yeah. Cool. We're uh, next week. We'll be talking about storyteller secrets. Talk like Ted. Why some ideas catch on and others don't. By Carmine Gallo. What a great guy. I met him personally. He was fantastic. It's going to be an amazing episode. Hope this helped. And can't wait for next week. Boom. Take care, guys. <laughs>